Welcome to episode 6 of Run for Fun. Hi, welcome back to Run for Fun. My name's Lee, and uh, this is my podcast about being an average runner and uh, running mainly for fun rather than times and trophies. Um, if you've listened to previous podcasts, you know that I've been building up to doing my first ultra, and this podcast basically covers how that ultra went, uh, my thoughts and feelings of the ultra. And, uh, and what I've learnt really. Um, so if you're thinking of doing your first ultra, uh, this might be quite interesting for you. Uh, obviously everyone's experiences are different. Uh, this is just how I felt and how things went for me. Um, but it might, you know, give you a bit of an insight in, you know, what is different about an ultra to other races and, um, you know, might put you off. It might encourage you. I don't know. Um, so basically, the um, yeah, basically the ultra what I did was uh, part of the Sublime Racing weekend. It was um, a twelve-hour night race. Uh, over the weekend, there was a twenty-four-hour ultra, which ran from Saturday midday to Sunday midday. Uh, a ten k and a one k race, uh, but the one I did, like I say, was a twelve-hour night race, which began at nine p.m. on the Saturday night and finished at 9am on the Sunday. Uh, it was held at a reasonably local um, like country park to me called Ferry Meadows, which is in Peterborough. Uh, the course itself was a mix of trail, a bit of tarmac, a few paths, uh, running across a few fields. Uh, I wouldn't say there was a great deal of... Uh, well, there was no altitude in it, really. No uh, real height. Uh, there were one or two little undulations... And a couple of sharp little climbs, but when I when I say sharp and short, I really do mean that. I think the the worst one was probably a a twenty meter incline of around about forty ish degrees, uh, which after uh, two or three laps uh, felt like walking upstairs slowly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the course. It was a uh, like I said, it was on a loop, and the loop I think was ten point seven k each each lap. Um, so that's a summary of the actual, the course and the, of the, of the, of the race. Um, the actual day, um, well, I got there early doors and just set my tent up. got there about two o'clock in the afternoon. Um, within a, it's like a camping field with a, with a little car park at the side of it. And then you had the sort of race HQ in a sort of separate field next door to you. A couple of big blower parches and there was a, a hot food stand, uh, coffee and tea, um, a couple of little shops and stalls and uh, a little stall from the, the main sponsor, which was Vodafone. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I basically got there, got about two o'clock, got my tent up, had a little stroll around the, the little sort of start and finish area. Uh, went over to the aid station, which was at the start and finish line and uh, just double-checked what they had on offer uh, for snacks and things. Obviously, going into an ultra, you don't want to be trying anything new for the first time, so I just wanted to make sure that what they had available um, 
was suited to what I was used to. Um, lucky on this occasion, they had a, you know two or three different types of sandwiches, uh, sausage rolls, uh, like salt and vinegar chipsticks, uh, tea, coffee, uh, flat coke, uh, water, and I think there might have been a couple of bits of different types of fruit there as well. But basically everything that I personally needed, um, which was great. So um, with that um, settled and, and knowing that was okay, um, I pretty much just sort of sat and relaxed and and watched a, a bit of the 24-hour race that was going on at the time. Um, the day was really sunny and warm, so I know the ultra people, well, sorry, the 24-hour ultra people were, were running the majority of their day miles in probably low to mid-20 degrees, which is, uh, well, it's warm for any any distance race, really, but, but these guys were going for, well, nine hours until I started, and they were gently sort of working their way around one at a time, uh, there were one or two that were going a bit quicker because there was a, a 24-hour relay going on at the same time. Um, but yeah, it was lovely. Lovely and relaxing. Um, just took my time. Like I say, just strolled around, kept hydrated, uh, treated myself to a nice burger and chips uh, from one of the stalls at around about 5 o'clock just to get a bit of nutrients in me, a bit of food. Um, but other than that, just chilled out really uh, in preparation for the for the 9 o'clock start for the for the night race. Um, around about, ooh, I think probably what, 20 to 9, we were called over just to go through the, the race in brief, which detailed the, the course and how to follow, you know, obviously to follow the markers. Um, we had uh, a water station at about 5k into the laps, roughly just under halfway. And yeah, it just all really, really well organised uh, by a company called Sublime Racing. And even though I believe it was their first ultra event, they've done several 10Ks and they, they also organised the, the first Peterborough Marathon this, earlier this year. So they're a very established company, even though, well, they're, they're a very professional company, although I think they've only been going for a couple of years, but you wouldn't think so. Uh, the organisation was brilliant. Plenty of people around to ask if uh, you had any questions, any queries. And uh, everyone that sort of any little question I had, it, they didn't even have to go, oh, you know, you know, ask, or oh, got to go and ask someone else or whatever. Everyone knew the answer straight away. Really reassuring and uh, a really good company uh, for organising races. So, yeah, that was it really. Just chilled out, watched a few runners for most of the afternoon. I went to the race, race, race briefing sorry, at uh, about 20 to 9. And then we uh, all got into the start and finish pen. Uh, there was around about 20 of us, uh, 20, 25 of us maybe, at that start pen. I think there were 20 solo runners, and then there were probably five or six members of, of teams, which I think were either pairs, fours. I think you could have teams of six and maybe teams of eight. Um, but we all got together, like I say, about 25, maybe, well, yeah, probably 25, 30 of us um, ready to go. So, yeah, the... the uh, the horn went and we all sort of trotted off in a gentle gentle uh, procession from the start area. Um, the course itself, I'll try and describe it, um, bearing in mind that as we started it was quite dull uh, with light and by the time we finished the first lap it was pitch black. But but basically if anyone knows Ferry Meadows, um, we started round near the lakeside restaurant um, cut through some woods which brought us out uh, around near the like, mini railway looped around the edge of the mini railway up to where the park run starts and finishes at the next cafe 
um, past, we passed that cafe on our right hand side and cut into some more trees which was probably I don't know not a massive uh, spell probably six maybe 800 meters through some forest um, but the, all the the tree roots were all sprayed white so you could see them quite clearly keeping it quite safe uh, we then came back out on the path and over the sharp bridge which is um, probably the start of the last K on the, the Peterborough Park run so anyone that knows it knows it's, it's quite sharp it's not big but it's, it's sharper over there done a riot and then uh, we follow the path uh, through around the back of the Travelex building that people locally would know as probably the Thomas Cook offices and then I've got to be honest it got quite dark and uh, just followed the markers really and from then on it was a mixture of like I say pavement surrounded by trees and bushes um, trail but it wasn't really loose trail, it was just dry mud with, you know, the odd little rocky boulder here and there, but nothing too treacherous. And occasionally we went out onto open fields where we were pretty much running straight across open fields where the grass was probably about three or four inches long. Um, and then the, there was one or two sections where we ran beside the river. Uh, health and safety-wise, it was really clearly marked where the water was. Because obviously when you're running at night with a head torch, Yes, you've got sort of the, the man-made markings of where people have trod down the side of the river previously. Um, but generally, um, you can't quite distinguish water, dark path, bushes and things very well. But there was, you know, when it came close to the river, there was uh, ropes down the side to make sure you stayed the right way. Um, during the briefing, they said that obviously they're not expecting anyone to fall in the river. But the company had got a, if you like, an emergency boat on the water so that if anyone did fall in, um, we could either use our whistles, raise an alarm, whatever, um, and the boat would be dispatched to get us out the river. So you felt really safe. Uh, the course was really well marked. Um, I believe, well, speaking before the race brief, and I know there were one or two incidents where some of the local, well, dickheads, should we call them, had found it quite funny during the, the previous night when they were marking the course and on the day during the 24 Ultra to try and move some of the arrows to go the wrong way. And I believe they were tr some of these knobs were trying to sort of get people to veer towards the water. Um, but I've got to be honest, on the, the first and, well, every lap I did, everything seemed really well marked. Um, and going through the race... Probably three or four times during the race, there were people coming different ways from the racing company on mountain bikes, just constantly going backwards and forwards around the course to make sure that all the markings were where they should be and everything was really safe uh, for all the people that were participating. Um, so yeah, we, we went off around the Travis building, across all these different terrains, um, looped back round and just came back to the, um, uh, the Lakeside Cafe, really, Lakeside Bar, to the start and finish area. Um, where there was an aid station and um, although it's my first ultra I've got nothing to compare it to um, it was just fantastic that when you got to the aid station there were a couple of ladies there that seemed to be taking it in turns um, but as soon as you got there they were like hello can I help what would you like and you know I'm just about to pick up a sandwich they're like okay it's okay what would you like I'll get it we'll get it all for you we'll get you drinks we'll get you food whatever you want you just take your time have a breather relax we'll bring it to you and you can just you know not worry too much about it they were, you know do you want some more water do you want your bottles refilled do you want this they were doing everything for you a bit like um you know how i've read you know some of the you know the personal crews are on some of these big long 
um, ultra trail events around the world, it, it just felt like they were very personal to you and um, anything you wanted, if it was there, they did it for you and, and did it really efficiently. So you weren't held up at all. Um, so yeah, first lap um, went out. Um, my strategy was just to run, um, well, not go out too quick, but run sort of 10 to 10, 30 minute miles. Um, certainly go no faster than, than 10 minute miling um, for about 50 minutes. And then I'd enforce a 10 minute walk break. I just try and maintain that for as long as I could uh, during the 12 hours. I uh, managed to do it for the first two hours. And over those first, well, my first two laps, I think I, they took, I think, one hour six and one hour 12. So just under about, about, I don't know, two hours, 20 maybe. I'd done my first uh, 22K, so pretty much a half marathon in about 2.20, which was, yeah, I'm happy with that because my best marathon's uh, to, uh, 1.57, I think, or 1.59, 159, I think. So, yeah, to, to slow down by about 20, 25 minutes, I was happy with the pace. I wasn't going out too fast. I felt really comfortable. Um, and, yeah, completed the first two laps. Um, lap three, I slowed down a bit more. Uh, this lap, obviously, with it being a, a 6.7 mile or 10 well six and a bit half mile lap um lap three was sort of you know 12 to 18 well 13 to 18 miles 13 to 19 miles and by that time I was I was getting quite tired um lungs felt great breathing was great my heart rate I think was sitting around about 140 so I wasn't really really pushing myself and caning it to get round again I was conscious that I was trying to keep going for as long as I could without having an extended break for the whole of the 12 hours. So I went out and done my third lap. I think that came in at about 140-something, so a bit slower. Well, 20, 30 minutes slower. But the majority of that lap, that lap um, I didn't really stick to the 50-minute, 10-minute 50 ratio. I got about half an hour in, and uh, at the end of the second lap, I'd had a bit of chicken that my wife had brought over for me to eat. So I had, I had that to eat. But halfway through the sec uh, third lap, the chicken started repeating on me a bit. Um, I wasn't sick or feeling ill or anything. It just, I don't know, it just sat on me a bit. So I uh, had a bit, of a, a bit of a walk for five minutes and then, and then carried on. Um, the third lap, things started to get a bit tough. Like I say, I was getting to sort of the 18, 19 mile mark towards the end. And those laps, those, those, those couple of miles of that lap, I certainly, looking at my stats, slowed down a bit. But again, I wasn't really going to win anything. Um, well, certainly wasn't going to win, win the race. Uh, it was my first ultra, so why push myself? I just wanted to see how far I could go um, without an extended stop. So I just slowed down a bit, done a bit of run walking for those couple of miles and uh, got my third lap finished. So that took me to around about 19 miles, uh, which I think I did in about three hours. So again, not my fastest 19 miles ever, but again, I was conscious that obviously you've got to slow down. Um, you can't run a personal best on every lap, otherwise I wouldn't have got to three laps. So I'd slowed down a bit, uh, made it comfortable for myself and uh, got round to the end of my third lap. Um, at the end of my third lap, Again, I was feeling tired, and when I got to the A station, they said, are you okay? I said, well, I'm getting a bit cold. I'm going to you know, consider putting a, a T-shirt on. 
um, probably during the fourth lap. And I said, okay, would you like a coffee or something to warm up? So I had a quick coffee, uh, sandwich, uh, sat down for five minutes and then back out again. Um, what is good about Sublime is that they have a live tracker uh, for the scores, uh, scores for the positions and racing at any point on the on the lap. So uh, near the aid station, start and finish, it was I was getting a good signal on my phone. So as I set off for my fourth lap, I, I set off as a walk, uh, checking my phone, and I was surprised when I checked my phone to see that out of the solo event, I was actually in f- uh, what was I? I was in fourth place overall in the solo event so I was like oh right okay I best uh, try and keep the pace up as best I can um, like I say I was tired and uh, I've only ever run marathon distance four times before and I was hitting 19 20 miles which is normally where I start struggling in a marathon so lap four uh, I went out with the intention of just walking running walking running as much as I could but I've got to be honest I don't know if it was the coffee or just the fact that I'd had a five minute sit down but uh, looking back at my stats, miles 23 to 27, I've, I've seemed to run them at about two or three, about two minutes faster than I'd run any, any mile the previous four or five miles. So yeah, I think I'd just got through that little bit of a blip and I just got my head down and although I was aching and my legs were tired, I wouldn't say in pain, but they were certainly starting to feel tired. Just got my head down Using my head torch, you could just see the reflective markings of all the course markings which were situated probably, depending on the course where you were, anything from sort of 100 metres apart to three or 400 metres apart. Um, so I just got my head down and just aimed for the next marker. And if I got to that marker running, I'd look up. If I could see another marker, I kept running. If I couldn't see a marker, I'd just walk until I saw one. So basically, that lap was... If I couldn't see anything, I walked. As soon as a marker reflected in my head torch, which, like I say, could be anything from one to three or four hundred meters away, I'd run as best I could to that marker. And it just worked out brilliantly. I didn't do any planned stops. It was just a case of run when I saw a marker, walk when I couldn't. And although that lap went down to about 140 for the lap, um, I got round it and, you know, felt tired at the end of that one I felt as tired probably as, as, as I would have done running a road marathon um, but certainly thought you know I've got a, at least one maybe two more laps in me um, and at that point you know finished lap four I'd, I'd done marathon distance I think it was 26 point something miles so it was the longest I'd ever run or kept moving continuously I think my slowest mile at that point was about 13.50 just under 14 minute mile in so Again, I, I wasn't. I didn't walk any whole complete miles. I ran when I could. I walked when I could, and just kept going. Um, lap five. Uh, again, I'd, I'd had a couple of minutes break between laps four and five, and then set out again. This one, because of my tiredness, I really had it in my head that I'm just going to walk the whole lap. Really, if it takes me a couple of hours, that's fine. Uh, it's just a case of getting the numbers uh, totted up. And because the race was based on uh, total laps completed, I just wanted to see how many laps I could do, as I said before, without having a a half an hour nap or going back to my tent and changing my clothes because everything felt okay. My feet had a couple of hot spots, but I was conscious that I wasn't in any trouble with real blisters coming through. I just knew that 
there were maybe one or two blisters thinking of appearing. But yeah, just just kept going. Um, I'll be honest, lap five of the what six and a half miles, I probably well I ran walk. I did a run walk um, again for that for that lap, but probably seventy percent of it was walking. I was really feeling the fatigue in my legs, and uh, although by this time it was sort of between sort of I think half past well about quarter past three till about quarter past five, so it took me about two hours to do that lap. Uh, towards the end of the lap, the last probably twenty minutes, half an hour, the sun was starting to rise, and for the first time, I was able to see the sort of second half of the lap in a bit of daylight, um, which 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 lifted me a little bit. But it st- still didn't uh, get away from the fact that my legs were starting to feel a bit trashy at that point. And then I was starting to think, during the last mile of that lap, should I go on or shouldn't I? Now, in hindsight, after a sleep of the next day, I think I should have done another lap. In fact, I know I should have done another lap. Um, but on the day, or early morning, I just looked and thought, right, I think uh, according to their tracker, I've been within the race for about eight hours, ten minutes. According to my watch, I'd been continuously moving for about 7.35, I think it was, because I think when I sit down after a few seconds, my watch went into pause mode and just recorded it as non-movement time. So although I was actually in the race for over eight hours. I was only actually, if you like, actively moving within the course for seven and a half hours. But I came in on that last lap. My watch was reading, I think, 32 and a half or 32.3 miles. I'd work the next day. It was my first ultra. I wasn't sure what condition my legs would be in the next day or, you know, with a bit of rest. Um, so I just thought, right, that would do me for now. I've done what I wanted to do, which was to see how far I can go in an ultra distance event and I managed to hit over 30 miles um, which I was really happy with um, so I came in on the end of the fifth lap spoke to the people at the A station said look you know they're really really positive oh you're looking good you're looking that I said I, I might look good I said but my legs are starting to be quite painful now it's not just fatigue it's I'm getting a real aches and pains and I think probably the last mile of that fifth lap I was walking, um, basically like I'd shit myself, um, really stiff legs. And I don't know. That, I say, as I came in, I think if I'd, like I say, that, that fifth lap, it was 32 or 33 miles, whatever. If, if the race had been a point to point 35 miles, I would have carried on. Um, but because it was another loop, and I weren't sure if, you know, two or three more miles, my legs could have been in pieces. The last thing I wanted to be was halfway around the lap, three miles from, in any direction from the start and finish point, and just be in excruciating pain. So I decided to stop. Um, it was about 5.15 in the morning. Uh, I've been on the go, like I say, for seven and a half, eight hours. Uh, so I handed him my, my timing chip, my wristband, uh, said thank you very much and went to lay in my tent, um, had about an hour's kip, uh, and then was surprised by my family who had come down to, I'm really embarrassed about this, but they'd come down to uh, see if I, you know, to basically cheer me in for the last hour or two of the race, but luckily they came over to my tent and they was like, they were 
you know, I could do this Lee, Lee. And as I was sort of in and out of sleep, I was like, what's that noise? Who, who's that? I opened the tent and there they were. So it was lovely that they'd come to see me. It's just a shame that they only saw me lying in my tent. Um, if they'd been there an hour earlier, they probably would have seen me crawling in my tent. But um, fantastic that they came down to support me. Not a lot to support because I wasn't actually racing at that time. Um, but yeah, loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, but with regards to mileage, like I say, um, Boston had a bit of a nap. Um, well, I got home, had about three hours kip, and then I had a full eight hours on Sunday night through to Monday morning. And I've got to be honest, my legs surprisingly felt no worse than, you know, a, a, a good day after a marathon. Um, the hot spots on my feet, there was one on my ankle, uh, back of my heel, sorry, that when I put my work shoes on felt a bit tight. But generally during the day, uh, during today, I've, it's been okay. I've been walking all right. So in hindsight, I wish I'd done that final lap. Um, because if I'd done that final lap, I think looking at what the, looking at the timings and everything else, I actually would have finished third in the solo category. Um, but it was my first ultra, and happily, I finished fifth, which was a bit of a surprise because um, you know I think there were twenty something solo uh, runners. I was happy to come nineteenth. You know, if I'd have come twentieth, that's no big shame. But I really thought, you know, as long as I don't come last. I'm happy with that. I'll be really over the moon with that. Uh, but to come fifth, um, I surprised myself, I think. Uh, I know that when I go to club nights and do local runs, I'm always sort of mid-pack when it comes to a 10K. If there's a 1,000 runners, I'm normally sort of four or 500th. If I do a 5K, if you know there's three or 400 people, park run, for example, there might be 400 people doing park run and I'll finish you know 180th, 200th. So I'm normally around about the top 40, top 50% of any race. So to finish this in the top 25%, I know it wasn't a massive field, but I came fifth. I'm going to take that. Um, yeah, really chuffed. Um, things that I've learned from the ultra are that, um, well, I know I could have gone further. Well, what, well, I'll say with hindsight, I know now I could have gone further than I thought I could. So perhaps I could have pushed myself a, a bit more. Uh, by the time I came off the course at half five, I still had um, about, what, half six, half seven, half eight. I still had three and a half hours to go, which was probably long enough to do certainly one more lap uh, comfortably. And that's probably the only regret of the whole race is that I didn't do that final lap, which I look back now and think even if I'd walked it and it had took two and a half hours, it still would have been another six and a bit miles and it would have probably just took me over that 40-mile threshold um, that I was really, really aiming for. Um, but, you know, it's my first one. I've learned some lessons. Uh, another, another, another thing I learned was that it really is just an endurance event. There were people that, I think at the end of the first lap, I checked my tracker and I think I was 18 out of 20. And then within two laps, I've gone up to fourth. Uh, because people were going out and running, you know, 10-minute miling, and I think they were hoping to keep that 10-minute miling up for as long as they could or for the for the majority of the race. But I've got to be honest, I think there was only one person without a baton that passed me, maybe two, two people probably passed me without a baton um, during the whole event. Um, and that was when I was being lapped by the person that finished first and the person that finished second. Um, during the five laps, 
uh, I think as we pulled away from the start, there's a video on their website where I think I'm sort of second last as we pulled away from the start line. Uh, but over the five laps, I must have overtaken, well, to become fifth, I must have overtaken 13 or 14, maybe 15 people. But I think only two overtook me back. So that was all good. I think I got my pacing okay. Uh, at no point did I feel out of breath to the point where my lungs were burning or I've got lactic buildup or anything like that. Uh, whenever my heart rate got to around about the 155-ish mark, I just walked. And uh, certainly the last lap, I think my heart rate was around about 125, 130. So I know I wasn't putting in a tremendous amount of strain on my lungs. Um, my legs, like I say, were hurting and very stiff, but I certainly wasn't really, really damaging them by pushing them far too hard on that last lap. So overall, a success. Um, what else did I learn? Oh, I've also learned that no disrespect to people that do road races and 10Ks and mass participation marathons and 5Ks, but I had read about this, and it really is true. The ultra community are just such a, a friendly bunch of people. Um, for someone like me, who is, like I say, very mid-pack when it comes to road racing, um, I'm not... I'm not one that's going to smash out a 10k at six and a half, seven, seven and a half minute miles because I can't do that. But in ultra running, just smashing out 10 and a half to 11, 11 and a half minute miling is 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 comfortable for me. Like I say, everyone's different. Um, my comfortable like go to pace when I'm going out for a five or six mile run is about nine minute miling. I I find that comfortable that I can talk if I'm with someone. I feel like I've done an aerobic activity but I'm not you know smashing myself to bits so to slow down a couple of minutes per mile and just be able to keep that going uh, was fantastic and like I say I passed a few people uh, one or two people passed me that the relay people obviously were only doing 10k laps each I say only but they over the t 24 hour or 12 hour they were probably doing two or three laps per person but they were maintaining sort of 50 minutes for 10k or an hour for 10k so they were those were passing me uh, but anyone that we passed each other everyone's you know how you doing everything okay well done and it was just just everyone supporting everyone it was really good um, really nice atmosphere and it certainly swayed me over to doing more of these events. I've always traditionally favoured um, sort of 10 mile to a half marathon, I suppose, have been my real optimum favourite distances um, for enjoyment. Uh, a marathon, the four I've done in the past, I've always enjoyed to about 17, 18 miles, and then it gets really hard. But then that is all forgotten. The split second you pass that finish line and you've got that medal around your neck and the feel of euphoria is unbelievable. But this ultra thing, it is just a bunch of really nice people that aren't too fussed. I mean, the, the, probably the, the, you know, the, the real elites are, but at this level, no one seemed really bothered about, you know, pace per mile and, you know, stuff like that. It was just a case of you went out you did what you could at a pace you felt comfortable and just kept going and everyone was really, really supportive and it was just fantastic. So um, because of that, in my head, 
I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I might do this next year. But what I might actually do is not do this event next year, even though it was fantastically organised by Sublime Racing. What I'm actually thinking of doing is entering the 24-hour event um, because I think I would benefit from having that bit of a break mid-race but I didn't think a 12-hour race justified, you know, going back to my tent for an hour or two for a nap. Because, it, you know, before you know it, you, I didn't want to go back to my tent, have an hour's kip, for example, and then wake up with stiff legs and it's hard work getting started again. But I think on the 24-hour format, I think that's long enough that maybe you can do a, you know, seven, eight, nine hours, then maybe sit down, have something to eat, Maybe not necessarily sleep, but certainly rest up for two or three hours. Give your legs a bit of a rub down and then maybe go out again and do six or seven hours. Um, and that really appeals to me. Plus as well, with it being the 24-hour race, um, you've got the hours of daylight from 12 till about half eight when it started to get a bit dull. And then the next morning from about, I suppose, six o'clock, to midday on the Sunday it's daylight as well so you have got probably 14 hours of daylight within well probably more than that probably 16 hours of daylight within the 24 hours and I'm sure no disrespect to the the ultra runners and people that do things in a day I'm sure mentally it is going to be a bit easier doing those sorts of distances in daylight um this was my first night race and had a head torch on for all the time I was running and I must admit, it was pretty easy for me to get used to. Within sort of, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, I was quite comfortable running in the pitch black with a head torch a lot of the time on your own because it was, you know, nearly 11k loop and everyone went off at their own pace. And, you know, apart from passing people here and there, a lot of it, you can see someone in the distance, you can see lights behind you, but you, I was running quite a bit of it as a lone runner, which I'm quite happy with. Um, but I think on the 24 hour, I think that lone running in the daylight is going to be less mentally testing. And now I've done, you know, 50 K over 50, I think it worked out about 54 K. I think it was, um, in the seven hours, who knows 24 hour, even for allowing for extra fatigue and that couple of hour rest, I could be on for a hundred K. Um, this, this podcast is run for fun, um, so it isn't all about times. But obviously, you know, to do that kind of event where it isn't a set distance, you have to, I believe, have some kind of target in your mind of where you want to go. Um, so, yeah, I've, I'm really up for next year. If Sublime, this is the first time they've done an ultra event, I believe. But if they do do this event again next year, I would certainly... Um, suggest anyone that is thinking of their first ultra this would be fantastic because it is looped and therefore if things aren't going quite right you're not in the middle of nowhere you know you're not sort of 40 miles or sorry you know 30 miles into a 50 mile race and and 20 miles from anywhere Um, this one you're only ever three miles from safety so if things are getting a bit tough and you may have bitten off a bit more than you can chew you know there's always someone nearby and you're no more than three miles from home. Um, but then, like I said earlier, the fact that you're only ever three miles from home makes it quite easy to stop because every every six miles, six and a half miles, there's, a, there's an opportunity to stop because the aid station is right next to the campsite. Uh, but, you know, it's all about mental strength, um, one foot in front of the other, 
um, and how far you can really push yourself. So, yeah, um, yeah. In summary, a uh, fantastic event. If Sublime do this event again, I will be going in for the twenty-four hour race. And I've got to be honest, you know, that if they do it again, it'll be next year. I'm really considering, uh, although I've got Peterborough Marathon in April next year. I'm thinking of actually putting myself in for a maybe 30 or 40 mile point to point ultra in between because it was a really, really uh, good experience. Uh, something that I want to do again. I think because everything's run at a slower pace, it wasn't as painful as a marathon, even though I'd ran, uh, what, four, five, six, seven or eight miles further than a marathon. Um, it was, it just didn't hurt as much. Um, which was nice. Uh, and also, you know, deep down, um, when people say, oh, what did you do at the weekend? And you tell them you've run an ultra marathon. People in the running community respect you for it. And people that don't run just don't understand. And they just think that you're just an elite athlete, which for someone like me, who's early to mid forties and not really that fast. It's it's actually quite a nice feeling. Um, I don't do it for the praise and the love and the adulation of all the people I work with and stuff like that. But the one or two that, that aren't into running, so what did you do at the weekend? I, I told them, they're like, all oh, right, really? That's what more than a marathon. You do that. You're nuts. You're mad. And it's, it's a nice feeling. Just people commenting on, you know, you achieving something. Because I'm really proud of what I've done. And um, I really want to do it again. So, yeah, that's the Sublime 12-hour night race. Uh, a thoroughly enjoyable experience. Something I want to do again. I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself now. I think I've said that about 10 times. But if you are considering an ultra, consider this as your first one. If you're a seasoned ultra runner, um, I would certainly look at this one. I think you can go Sublime Racing on Facebook. Um, their logo is like a, obviously a lime. Um, so you'll find them through there. Um, alternatively, I think it's sublimeracing.com, I think. Um, or just put Sublime Racing to Google. You'll get on their website. They, they run various numbers of events. Mostly, it seems to be mostly 10Ks they seem to, to specialise in. But they are organising Peterborough Marathon next year. And I hope they're going to do this ultra event again. Um, and, and, and that's it, really. That's my first ultra. And um, it was great. So, yeah, I'm going to sort of wind it up now because I'm conscious that I'm rambling a bit. And if you're still awake, um, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what I've been up to, um, Lee Hanton on Strava. Um, if you want to um, follow me on Instagram, it's, uh, my, my handle is Lee Hans Runs, which is L-E-E-H-A-N-T-S. R-U-N-S, Lee Hans Runs. I think you might be able to find me if you type in Lee Hanton uh, on Instagram. Uh, but on there, I just, you know, put most of my runs on there. It might be, you know, some uh, people might be see some routes that I've done on there that live local to where I am. It might be some new routes to them, so it might be something new to try. Um, I sometimes put posts on there where I try things and they don't go quite right. 
So maybe, you know, you can you can see what I've done wrong and maybe if you want to give me some advice, fantastic. Um, there might be some sessions that I've done on there with my running club and you think, oh, yeah, that sounds quite good, you know, six by three minutes, the, the classic Martin Yellen um, from Marathon Talk uh, session. Um, intervals, hill repeats, that kind of thing. But yeah, Lee Hans runs on Instagram. Uh, Lee Hanton on Strava. You know, I'm quite happy for people to follow me, and I'll follow back. I'm always interested to 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 help and um, you know give people. I hate the word kudos, but that's what it is on there. Give people kudos when you know they've done something really good or really you know encouraging or inspiring. Um. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, it is available on iTunes and Spotify and Castbox. Uh, tell all your friends if you've enjoyed it. Give me a five star rating if you've enjoyed it. I'm happy to, for you to leave a review because it's always nice to get some feedback if you've enjoyed it. To be honest, if you haven't enjoyed it, do what you want. Um, and if you don't really don't like this podcast, then don't bother leaving a review um, because you know if you're not going to listen again then, you know, I fully understand it's not going to, um, you know, ruin my day. I've listened to some podcasts and after one episode thought, not for me, and just unsubscribed. Um, but yeah, if you do like this, subscribe, give me a rating, give me a star rating, tell your friends. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want to follow me, it's uh, Lee Hans Runs on uh, Instagram. Um I'm just thinking who I could actually uh, mention on this one. Oh, Cheer Charge. Let's go with Cheer Charge this time. Like I've said before, I'm not sponsored by anyone. I'm not an ambassador or linked to anything. I'm not being paid to say anything good about any product or being paid to not say anything bad about any product. Um, but yeah, on this one, I'm going to mention Cheer Charge purely because um, I had a couple of their bars and had a little nibble on the bars every now and then on this Ultra. Um, I don't know if it's a placebo effect or not, but I've got to be honest, um, they gave me plen- seem to give me plenty of energy. They taste fantastic. Um, they're quite easy to digest. They taste, um, you know, they're not an awful taste, so they're pleasant to eat. And, um, yeah, if you've not tried them, I thoroughly recommend them. I'm not a scientist or a sports nutritionist, but I think they're, they're a form of slow-release carb. I may have got that wrong. I'm maybe just talking shit now because I've heard someone else say it. But but basically, yeah, cheer charge bars, they're a couple of quid a piece, I think. Um, they're a, like a slow-release energy, bit of a flapjack type thing. Taste fantastic, and, um, yeah, I use them, and, uh, and they seem to work. So, yeah, that's it. That's me done. Um, Thank you for listening. Um, And hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. And uh, I'll be uploading my next podcast when I've got something marginally interesting to uh, tell you. So, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, just uh, happy running, everyone. Cheers.